God, thank you so much for this um, place that we can gather every week. And God, it's so exciting what you've been doing. Um, God, just the retreat was awesome. And last week, just gathering together and uh, just meet, you know, students making decisions to follow you. God, it's so cool what you're doing. And God, we just lift up tonight. God, would you just bless our time together as we open up the word? Would we come out of here different than what we came in? God, help us just to set things aside and be present. God, we want to we grow as individuals. God, we thank you that you love us and you loved us first. And God, there's really no greater love than what, than what you did, God, that you laid down your life for us. And God, we just declare that you're, you're King Jesus and we are so blessed to be gathering together. Thank you for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm excited uh, to... About tonight, we've got a great night planned for you. Uh, I want to welcome you if you're new. Uh, my name's Chad. I'm the college pastor. And uh, welcome to Real Life. We're excited. We want to get to know you. As you heard announcements, there's lots of ways to get engaged, lots of ways to get to know new people. Whoa, Matthew. Wow. <laughs> what do you, really? Come on. There's a lot, lots of ways to get involved. Sorry, my bad. I guess it is springtime and it's sunny out and everyone's... Anyways, all right. Uh, I'm going to invite a couple of your peers up. Uh, they're going to share a little bit about Shasta and what God did in their life. So let's give it up for Laha and Ian. Come on up. Come. Yeah. <laughs> Who's going first? Okay. Give it up for Ian. What's up, guys? So my name is Ian. Um, I started going to real life last term, or sorry, the first term um, in the fall. And so me personally, I, I grew up not really going to church too often. So that's kind of one reason that it's very surprising to me uh, to see myself here right now. It's like I never would have expected one, me standing on this stage, but then, you know, Hala and I got baptized this weekend. That's something I would have never expected growing up, not in the church and, you know, not really, you know, always believing there was a higher power, but not really knowing what it truly meant to, to believe in God and, you know, what he did for us on the cross. But anyways, um, so yeah, I grew up not, re- it's kind of weird. I grew up not going to church, but I was baptized as an infant. So, I mean, as Pastor Daniel said, he told us over the weekend, it's like, being baptized is something that you can only choose for yourself. It's not a decision anybody else can make for you or anybody else can do for you. It's a decision between you and the Lord. And so that's really, that's really why it was so special to me this weekend because being baptized as a kid was, you know, I, obviously I didn't know anything about anything back then. So it's not like I was making that decision for myself at all. But, you know, after going to real life these past couple months, I was really able to to just grow so much. It's impacted me in ways I could have never imagined. And and that's a big reason why I was able to finally, you know, decide for myself and make that decision wholeheartedly that um, it, was the, it was time for me to get baptized. So that's, that, was just, that was really special for me to be able to make that decision and, you know, be able to make it with such confidence after all that real life has done for me and all the ways that it's impacted me from Chad. He's just been such a, such a great mentor and such a great person to get to know. So, yeah, he's really made a huge impact on my life. As far as the baptism itself, you know, it's just, it was such a special moment after the whole weekend that we went through. It was, it was, it was so holy and I just was so touched by the whole weekend. It was like, to me, it felt like if God made, you know, if there was a situation that God made baptisms for, it was, it was that situation. He put that together just for us, just for us to get baptized. It was so special. It it just, I can't imagine doing that and going through that um, anywhere else and with any other group of people. So that's, that's, that's what I got to say about it. It was just amazing, and I can't thank all, you, um, all of you enough for how special you guys made that, this weekend and getting baptized for me, so thank you, guys. Yeah. So they, they, come in, they come in a package deal, these Hawaiian brothers, so this is Laha. Hi, everyone. I'm Laha. Uh, it's my short little testimony. So um, I was raised a Christian my whole life. My mom and dad have been divorced ever since I could remember. Some of my earliest memories were me waking up to my mom and dad fighting. Um, so my mom and grandma raised me, but 
my mom pretty much played the role of mom and dad. My mom would take my siblings and I to church ever since I was little, and one day at church, I was baptized around 9 or 10. I had no clue what was going on. All I knew was that I was dunked in the water by my pastor, and when I came up, everyone was cheering. Um, but I really had no clue what I was doing, um, which I'll get back to later. But anyways, fast forward to about a month ago, where I made the soccer team, which, don't get me wrong, is absolutely awesome and great and a dream come true. But that meant that I wouldn't be able to go to Shasta, which is something I really wanted to be a part of. I was pretty down about it and even reached out to Chad asking if it would be cool if I came up on Friday after practice. But unfortunately, that couldn't work because it would have been too late. And I can't just ask my coach to not come to practice on Friday for a trip because odds are I probably would have been kicked off the team um, if I did that. Then one day, maybe like one and, a, one and a half weeks ago, I got a text from my coach saying that we were going to have Friday, Saturday, and Sunday off from practice or any activities, which is absolutely like insane because I was asking some of the guys and um, apparently we usually don't get weekdays off just because our coach likes to sustain shape and whatnot. Um, and this to me was no coincidence. God clearly made a way for me to go on the Shasta trip and open that door for me, even when I thought it wasn't possible. So yeah, I was able to go on the trip. And to add on to that, I've been praying for a very long time about getting rebaptized. I felt like at the time I was baptized, I was, like I said before, very uneducated and unaware of the magnitude behind the meaning of being baptized. So this past Saturday night, I'm sure everyone that was there on the trip could attest to this. But the spirit was moving in such a different way that night and was so powerful. Not only was the sermon and worship super powerful, but I mean, three of my cabin mates were saved and baptized that night, and there were also other people being saved and baptized too. Um, and Chad also said later that night that if God was calling us and putting on our hearts to be baptized, that we could be baptized on Sunday. So I talked to Nemo um, and prayed a lot about it that night, and I realized that God had made a way through what I thought could not happen. He made a way for me to be there, and I realized, and God put on my heart, that I was there to be rebaptized and rededicate my heart to the Lord as an outward expression of my inner belief. It's crazy how God made it all um, come down to that one moment for me to get baptized, but I'm so glad and so blessed that God was able to make it happen. And so, yeah, I ended up being rebaptized on Sunday, and I couldn't be happier. Let's pray for these guys. God, just thank you for uh, Ian and Laha. God, just so cool. Uh, just these, these guys are freshmen. They're going to be here a while. God, would you just pour out your spirit on their lives? Thank you for the decisions they made to follow you and that they're all in. Uh, and, and God, just, uh, just the many other students. I think of the 22 students that got baptized. Just, just wild, God. It's so cool just what you're doing in um, and through these students' lives. Would you bless them? Would you allow them to be witnesses for you on this campus? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Guys, thanks for sharing. Yeah. Man. It's exciting what God's doing. And I just want to encourage you, man. Uh, I think Rob shared this at the retreat, but just those that didn't go to the retreat, man, don't feel bad, man. It, it's, we're all family, so you're part of the family. Just get to celebrate with us, and God's working in your life, too. And if God's working in your life while we were gone or in the last couple weeks even, man, we'd love to hear testimonies. So, and, and the reason we do testimonies, that's one of the ways that we talked about at the retreat. We talked about there's a, there's a real enemy in our life. And one of the ways we overcome the enemy is, is by the word of the testimony of the saints and, and to share and, and proclaim the goodness of God. And share what he's done. Like, not only does it encourage us, like we all get to hear and, and celebrate with our brothers, but it also, like, solidifies that work in our lives that, hey, I'm not going to be ashamed. I'm going to confess what God's done in my life because he did it. And he gets the glory. It's his story. And I'm just a part of his, you know, his world. And, and so I just want to encourage you, share your testimonies with us if you want. You can share up front. But even just within, you know, not, not everyone has to come share up front, but it's so powerful if you just would share with those in your life, like those that got back. We've been back for like 48 hours. It feels like a reunion, like we've been gone for weeks. Uh, but we're all back, and we're just like so excited to see each other. But, man, I, I want to encourage you to not forget that work is to share of what God did uh, and, and tell others uh, of the work he did. So, anyways, you can turn in your Bibles to John 16. We've been doing a series looking at the last teaching that Jesus gave to his disciples hours before he would go to the cross, John 13 through 17. And we're calling it No Greater Love, and it's just been a powerful, powerful time, partially because you simply could read this text, you could just read the text probably, 
and just that would be good enough uh, these nights. But it's been powerful having different speakers share on the, the, the truth of God's word. And, and it's so powerful because these are the last hours of Jesus' life, and he's talking to his closest friends. And so we see the significance, the weight that, that, that comes with thinking of it. Hey, man, he knows this is going to be the end for three days, uh, but he knows this is going to be, uh, this is coming, yet he takes the time to serve his disciples and to love them and to share with them and to warn them so they'd be prepared because their world's about to get turned upside down. So, but tonight we're going to continue on in John 16. And um, if you haven't been with us, I want to encourage you, you can check out, we have a podcast or the Facebook page. You can re-listen to those messages. Last week we had a panel and it was really fun to discuss John 15. Uh, We had a panel and so there's different ways that you can listen. uh, And I just encourage you to do that if you want to get caught up because it's a great, great text that we're reading. Uh, But tonight, who's taking us further on, he's from South Beach Church and he's come before and he's a dear friend of mine. Give it up for Luke Frechette. Thank you, Chad. Guys, give it up for Chad. The heck? So rad, man. Appreciate you. Look how tall this guy is. What the heck, dude? So fun to be with you guys, especially on the heels of Shasta. And I bet you some of the people who didn't go to Shasta are thinking, oh, Shasta, because you guys didn't get a go. But we're all here together. And those coming back from Shasta, the things that God spoke to you, revealed to you, had you to walk in and profess together, he now wants you to bring that back to the campus and to share with your friends, to keep each other accountable, to stoke the flame. It's actually a privilege and a treat for me to be invited. Chad and I were texting last month or whenever about the schedule for this term, and he said, you could come right after Shasta, and I was like, duh, that would be amazing, because you guys are going to be all fired up and excited for what's next. I mean, you guys are fired up and excited for what's next. Okay, let's go ahead and do some chants. Okay, I'm going to say a, a phrase, and you guys scream it after me. Okay, ready? Jesus is real. We're going to heaven. The best is yet to come. We're all going to die. <laughs> oh. Stop right there, eyes up here. Are all those statements true? Are any of those statements in contrast to each other or maybe antithesis of one another? Jesus is real. The best is yet to come. We're all going to die. And the reality is all those statements are true. But, some, but the last one kind of like threw you off course. You started laughing. I can't believe, can't believe we just yelled that. And the people next door having their concert, they're mad we, they're mad we yelled it like, call the cops, you know. We're all going to die. Ten out of ten of us are gonna die, all of us are gonna die. We try and avoid so many things in life. Don't we try and avoid things? Somebody who went to Shasti tried to avoid getting sunburned, good job. You tried to avoid getting bug bites. We try and avoid getting dehydrated. You're trying to avoid flunking out of school. You're trying to avoid things, and you don't have to go through those things. You can avoid them. You cannot avoid death. And yet it's so interesting because we try to. We try and think, well, I'm not gonna die. Well, at least not now or not soon, but you're still going to. And because you're going, and people are afraid of death, aren't they? They're afraid to die. And I'm thinking to myself, you're going to die. There's no choice. You shouldn't be afraid of it. Why would you be afraid of something that you can't choose to do or not do? It's been chosen for you. There are certain things you should be afraid of. I don't want to do this or that. And you avoid them and you hydrate and you medicate and you take vitamins. You're still going to die. A hydrated, medicated vitamin guy, you know. I say that because I want you to be encouraged. Jesus is real. The best is yet to come. We are going to heaven and we're going to die. And what does Jesus want us to do in light of that? Because you guys are fired up and you're excited. And my goal tonight is to stoke that flame of fire. But I remember when I got anointed and baptized in the Holy Spirit. It was 1999, January 1st, right around 3 a.m. And I remember I drove back to Newport where I was from. I was living in Ashland for about two or three years. And I'd given my life over to the world and done silly things. And I repented and came back to the Lord. Raise your hands if you've given yourself over to the world and done silly things. Raise your hand. Okay. Whoa, bad guys there. (laughs) You know, I get it. And I was like, this is killing me. And I remember I was reading 1 Peter chapter 4. And it was Thanksgiving Day, 1998, and I'd been doing nefarious activities with my friends, and I was by myself and kind of high out of my mind, and I found myself reading the scriptures, 
And God spoke to me, and I found myself, and I said, Lord, I'm such a selfish person, and I want to give my life to you in a greater way. And I actually, based on 1 Peter 4, I want to suffer for you. I want to serve you. And the Lord spoke to my heart, and he says, well, take that dip out of your lip and never put another one back in again. Skull mint was my choice. What do you guys chew? Anybody chew? Anybody chew? I'm just kidding. And he said, take that dip out of your lip and never put another one in. I also had a pack of Camel Wides in my cargo pants. We wore cargo pants back in the day. And he said, don't ever smoke another cigarette again, and you're going to suffer. And I thought to myself, that's crazy town. I'm going through a pack a day, a can a day, like I'm that guy, but I'll do it. I'll do it if, I, if, that's, if that's what you want me to do, Jesus. And I, and I stopped nicotine, cold turkey, in that moment. And I remember, then fast forward to Christmas Eve, I told my mom and dad, I'm coming home, guys, and I've been uh, out to lunch doing silly things, but the Lord's moving in my heart. Mom and dad, can I talk to you? And so I confessed all of my sins to them that I'd been doing in high school and post-high school, and I was like, the Lord's taking me, though. And then on New Year's Day, January 1st, a guy stood on a stage, and he said, if anybody wants more of the Lord, and my ears perked up, I was like, oh, I want more of the Lord. If anybody wants more of the Lord, come find me tonight. It was an all-night service, and I'll lay hands on you. And I was like, you're laying hands on me, bucko, you know. And <laughs> you want to go, you know. He's like, I'll lay hands. like, not those kind of hands. I'll lay hands on you, and I'll anoint you with oil, and I'll ask God to give you the Holy Spirit, to give you more of him. Now, when he was talking, I didn't understand it all. It didn't make total sense. It was vernacular and language I was somewhat familiar with. But in my heart of hearts, my knower knew Luke, go find that man and get whatever it is he's talking about. His name was Warren Willie. I'd never met him before. Found him at 3 a.m. I said, hey, I want you to pray for me and give me that thing you were talking about. So he took me in a back room, and he did that. Laid hands on me, anointed me with oil. Asked God to fill me with the Holy Spirit. Then he said, now we're going to speak in tongues. And I said, now I'm about to get out of here. You know, I was like... And he encouraged me to speak in tongues, and I couldn't do it. He said, you're too nervous and embarrassed. I said, yeah, you should be too, bro. This is weird. This is weird, you know. That's what I said. And then he let me off the hook. He said, go home. Go home. Go home and pray. Go home, and, and, and he encouraged me to just speak to the Lord in tongues. And if God gives you the gift of tongues, it's a biblical gift. Not everyone gets it, according to the Scripture. Some do, some don't. Everyone gets some gifts. He said, go home and see if God gives it to you. Just pray to him and, and let your mind be shut off and your heart engaged. So I went home, and I did just that, and God gave me the gift of tongues. And I spent the rest of the night praying in tongues, just me and the Lord in my room, loving God. And I woke up the next morning. I don't even think I went to bed, to be honest. And when I came out of the living room and came out there, my dad was there, and my mom was there, and Bob Walton was there, and my, best, my dad's best friend from Vietnam. And I remember they all looked at me like I was on crack because I came out of the room, and I was like, blah, you know. And, the, and no joke, Bob Walton's like, whoa, what's up with you, dude? And I told him, I was like, dude, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit last night. And I've been in my room speaking in tongues all night. And he took a step back, and he's a spirit-filled Christian. My parents are too, and he's like, whoa. And then he said something super offensive. He looked at me, and he just kind of squinted his eyes, and he said, it's not always going to be this way. And I said, it's not always going to be this way, you know. <laughs> it's your problem, dude. Eat a pancake, man. Drink some coffee. <laughs> Level up, dude. Woo! You know. <laughs> Fired up. And he was an old mossback Christian who had been through a war, too, you know. And he's like, it's not always going to be this way. But I'm so thankful for his words. Not then. I was mad at him. Like, dude, whatever. But three or four months, maybe six or seven, maybe another year later, I would find myself as a spirit-filled Christian going through a very difficult time, hard time, where it wasn't so fired up, it wasn't so awesome. The spirit hadn't left me, but I was going through a dry season, going through a challenge, going through a difficult day. And I want to join you guys tonight on the heels of Shasta. It's a beautiful day out. And it's so fun, and it is. And I'm super fired up to be here. And Jesus is real. I'm going to heaven. The best is yet to come, and we're all going to die. And those statements don't have to be antithesis to one another or to contradict each other, but instead they're both truths that help us to then not minimize or ignore one truth over the other. So because I'm going to die, then I can make the best days that I live right now. I don't have to be afraid of death. And I want you guys to understand Jesus' heart. You're in John's gospel. You should be open there right now. And in John 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18, Jesus has taken a walk with the boys. And he's telling them all the things that they're going to expect and all the things that they're going to be prepared for. As he now leaves them. Everyone turn to your neighbor and say, he's leaving them. He's leaving them. You're saying way more things than I said to say. 
Don't leave me. Stay here. And so Jesus is leaving them. Can you imagine this talk? So gangster would this talk have been. As Jesus leads them through in John 15, tells them that my Father's heart is that you bear fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. And so if you're a fruit producer, don't be surprised if you get pruned. Don't be surprised if challenges come your way. So you bear more fruit. Why am I going through this season? Why do I feel like I'm being disciplined? Because the Lord, like a coach with a star athlete, loves you. And he's pushing you because he knows there's going to be a fruitful season in your future. And Jesus now transitions into John 16, which is our text today. And I've been assigned this text. And I was reading it over the week and preparing. And I just love God's word. Don't you guys love God's word? His word is alive, active, and it won't return void. It will do things in your life every single time. Let's read it together, John 16. But for context, would you look at the two verses prior to John 16? It says, but when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Stop right there, eyes up here. There's a helper coming. How many of you guys have a tutor in your math class or somebody to come along and do your homework for you? Anybody have anybody do your homework for you? This guy? Whoa. It's cool, dude. It's cool. We love helpers. It's not cool. I didn't say that. We love helpers. Jesus is like, hey, there's going to be a helper coming. If you're the disciple, you're tuning in. That's cool. That's cool. Look at the next verse. It says, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Jesus is now about to pass the baton to the boys, saying, you guys have been with me from the beginning. There's a helper coming. Pay attention. And you're going to be the ones now to bear witness of me. Wouldn't it have been fun to have Jesus around everywhere you went? Everywhere you went, he did the talking, he ordered the food, he had the fights, he got in trouble, and you were just kind of like standing there taking selfies, oh, look at me, you know, being cool. And now Jesus is saying, I'm done. I'm going to heaven. It's your turn. I'm going to give you a helper, though, so don't trip out. Don't freak out on me, boys. Matter of fact, verse 1 of chapter 16, it says, These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. Now imagine if you're Andrew, you're standing in the back of the pack listening. It's like, it sounded like he said something about we might stumble. Is that, is that what he said? He said we might stumble. The true word there, stumble, is the word we get scandalized in our English language. And what it literally means is, is in your journey, something happens where you're like, you know what? I'm out. I don't like this anymore. It didn't go the way I wanted It's difficult. It's hard. It's not easy. So you know what I'm going to do? Quit. What did Jesus say? These things I just spoke to you so you don't quit. You think I'm going to quit, Jesus? Bob Walton, my dad's best friend. It's not always going to be this way. What do you know? He knows. What are you going to do when it's quitting day? What are you going to do when it's hard? Jesus knows it's going to be hard. I love Shasta. I love baptisms. I love jet skis. I love vacations. I love all this. We're all going to die. And Jesus says, don't quit. I'm saying my words. Do you know something, by the way? He says, I spoke this to you so you're not scandalized, so you don't quit. The word there, scandalized, literally means that there's a trap set for you. Satan wants you to quit. Is that a trip for you? Does that make you just a little bit mad? Searching for the proper word to share tonight. Does that make you frustrated? And when I know the enemy's after me, Luke Frechette, I'm a husband of one, father of three, pastor of many. And the devil wants me to quit. Quit on all those things. And when I realize that as a competitive male, I say, no, I'm not going to quit. You know the best way to not quit? The spoken word of God. Get into his word. Are you feeling dry? You feeling diminished? You feeling discouraged? Get into his word. Jesus is speaking this to them. We got to hustle because he said, we're done at 1030. Is that right? 1030? Nervous laughter. Nervous laughter. (laughs) I said these things to you so you don't stumble. Andrew's like, it sounds like you said we're going to stumble. Look at verse 2. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think he offers God service. Andrew's in the back. He's like, it sounded sounded like we're going to stumble. And it also sounded like some people are going to try and kill us. Did he say we're going to be killed? How would you take this news? Like, you've been with Jesus for three years. It's been going good. He's been pushing the envelope. He's got some haters out there. He's got some critics. He's got some one-star reviews on Google. It's not going perfect for him. But all of a sudden, he's like, oh, by the way, I don't want you to quit when they kill you. No, <laughs> this is big time. We're at LSU. It's pretty safe. There's not much, you know, danger out there. Maybe a car running over you and all the rest, you know, something like that. But I want us to settle into this sacred context. I'm over here with a friend of mine, Domingo, he's sitting there in the middle, and, and I was telling him we were kind of preparing, and 
And that's going through the text in my mind. I said, I don't want to minimize this text. John 16 is over the top. This is Jesus' last words to his disciples. I pray you don't get killed. All of his boys would be killed. All of them. I'm just going to read this to you quickly. Okay, Andrew, the one I'm making fun of, Andrew was crucified on an X-shaped cross, and he hung alive for two days in southern Greece, all the while crying out to his spectators to be saved. Bartholomew, also known as Nathaniel, he was skinned alive and crucified head downward outside of Turkey. James the Greater, that's the son of Zebedee, he was beheaded, stabbed, and pushed off the pinnacle of the temple. James the Lesser, he was martyred in the early 90s. He was the one thrown from the temple. The other one was, was, was beheaded. John the Beloved, the writer of the book of Revelation, what, he wasn't actually killed. He was just boiled in oil. No big deal for him. And then he was put on an island, banished to die by himself. Jude, who wrote the book of Jude, was martyred by being beaten with a club in Persia. Judas Iscariot took his own life. Matthew, who wrote the book of Matthew, he was staked and speared to the ground in Ethiopia, and he was killed for questioning the morals of the king. Simon Peter, you know his story, crucified upside down right by his wife. He didn't want to be crucified right side up like his savior. Philip was tortured with iron hooks in his ankles, hung upside down to die in Egypt outside of the Roman province of Ephesus. Imagine that. Hooks in your ankles just put upside down. That's how he's going to die. Two more and I'm done. Simon the Canaanite, the zealot, he was murdered and martyred by crucifixion in Britain, sawn in half after that. And Thomas was martyred with a spear thrust through in India. Actually, I got a few more that aren't in the group that were listening. Mark, John Mark, was drugged behind horses to death. Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, was hung from an olive tree. Paul was beheaded. James, the half-brother of Jesus, was thrown a hundred foot off a wall, down onto the ground, lived, and they clubbed him to death puts a new term to go and clubbing I can't believe you guys laughed at that what's wrong with you guys you're sick I'm just kidding so here's Jesus Christ who knows everything he's walking he's about to be arrested and he's like guys I'm telling you stuff right now because I don't want you to quit oh what's going to happen by the way when I'm gone they're going to put you out of synagogues that's pretty bad they're going to mistreat you. They're going to cancel you, deplatform you, unfriend you. You're not going to have the same criteria everywhere you go. You're going to be looked down upon. Don't raise your hands, but how many of you guys feel that from time to time as a believer? You're excited about Jesus and somebody finds out, oh, you're a Christian? <laughs> okay, weirdo. Your teachers, your classmates, your roommates, your parents, your brothers and sisters. It's the same thing. To be put out of the synagogue was a big deal. You could no longer be a normal citizen in their culture. I hope you feel that. As a matter of fact, let me say it this way. The Bible says when all men speak well of you, you're probably not doing a good job. Some people should know. You're a Christian? Yeah, you make me feel uncomfortable. I don't know what it is. It's the spirit of Christ in me. I love you, man. I'm not trying to judge you. But it is not going to be easy to be a Christian. And so Jesus says this to his boys. They're going to put you out. They're going to kill you. Verse 3, and these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. Such a key point. Why are people doing this? They honestly don't know God or Jesus. I'm going to say something. If you know God and or Jesus, if you know him, you know that you know him. And if you know that you know that you know, you know that you know that you know. You know that you know that you know? You know that you know that you know. And if you don't know that you know, you better figure out what you do know. Isa said you can come up and get prayer at the end of the service, and she's right. I'll be up here praying for people that you would know God. If you don't know God, I'm not shaming you, but you better figure it out. Because if you don't know God, you're going to be like one of these people that are pushing people out, doing things wrong, wasting your life, and you're not prepared to die. I know God. It changes everything for me. It changes everything. Yesterday I was at Starbucks. You guys ever been to Starbucks before? We, we, I live in Newport. I don't know what you guys have here. We have a Starbucks. Like, figure it out. And I was walking into Starbucks, and I saw this girl. She had iPod or whatever earbuds in, you know, and I, I said, hey. And she looked up at me, and I said, are you that girl that was at the American Red Cross bloodmobile yesterday, on Saturday, and tried to take my blood? Was that you? Just a normal conversation starter. <laughs> and she looked up at me, and she said, oh, no, you must have the wrong person, and you must just confuse me with other big girls because we all look the exact same. And I said, 
wow, I don't know if that, no, you look like the girl. And I said, where's your accent from? She said, it's from this country below Russia in between Afghanistan and Iran. And I began to talk to her a little bit. I was like, well, well, that's incredible. And I began to ask her questions. How were you raised? And I had a shirt on very similar to this one. It actually was this one. Don't tell anybody. You know? and, and, I said, well, and she said, oh, she, I asked her, you know, how long have you lived in the country? She said, for the last six years, you know, I was born there. And I said, how were you raised? She said, I was raised Muslim. But my mom taught me to believe everything. And then she asked me who I was, and I, and I said, well, I'm, I'm Luke Frechette, I'm a pastor. She said, I, I know who you are, you're very, very familiar here. You, you come to get food at Momiji and Starbucks, I know you very well, you know. Is that a good accent or bad accent? I can't tell. You guys are making me nervous, you know. And, and she knew I was a pastor, and she kind of got cold. She's like, yeah, 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 I'm not into that, I'm not into that. And she said, I'm not into religion. I said, neither am I. I said, I'm not into religion at all. I'm into Jesus. I'm into Jesus because Jesus is real. And Jesus was killed by religious people. And I was real calm and real smooth, real, real, real kind to her. But I knew it was a moment. And she was pushing back on religion and pushing back on people that had abused religious powers. And I said, hey, listen, you know what my shirt says? It says Jesus is real. My name's Luke. It doesn't say Luke is real. See, the key about God is that he's drawing you not to a person or a program or a group or a denomination. He's drawing you to his son, Jesus Christ. And that's the truth of the matter. And her name's Aya, A-Y-A. She goes by Lily. But I saw it on her cup, her Starbucks cup. I'm very snoopy. I was like, looks like it says Aya, you know. And anyways, I was able to tell her something. I said, Aya, God loves you. And when I said it, I said it with conviction because it's true. All the other things she's heard, all the other religious things, all the other things that have stumbled her or maybe stumbled you or will stumble me, okay, don't let them. God loves you. Jesus is real, and he's the one that changes everything. Jesus is saying there's going to be people that will kill you and push you out. You're going to be forced and tempted to stumble. You're going to run amok in your life if you get outside of bounds here. But instead, what I want you to do, know God and know Jesus. That is a key principle. I'm going to say it one more time. I've been talking too long about this verse. But if you don't know God, okay, settle that tonight. And if you know you don't know God, but something in your heart right now says, I don't don't know if I do, but I, I want to. I want to. And pray for my new friend, Aya, A-Y-A, Lily. Pray for her. I believe the Lord wants to move in her life and just set her free and set you free as well. Jesus is saying, why would people kill you? Because they don't know me. These are the ones. Verse 4, but these things I have told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. Stop right there. Eyes up here. <laughs> Just imagine Jesus. This is the pre-talk before suffering. He's like, I'm going to tell you it's going to get bad, so when it gets bad, you remember I told you it was going to get bad. Can you imagine that? And then as soon as it gets bad, you're like, oh, yeah, he said it was going to be bad. And if you study the scriptures and even that little list I just read, the spirit-filled martyrs. You guys know what martyr means in English? Anybody know? Bible students. Starts with W, rhymes with itness. Somebody say it. You guys are smart, right? What? Witness. Martyr. Martyr. We know martyr means to lay your life down, to be killed for something you believe in. The Greek word is marteo, and the English word is witness. Jesus said, you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to be my martyrs. You're going to lay your life down. You're not going to live for your own interest. You might not physically die, but every single day God asks you to die to yourself, and every day you don't die to yourself. Something else inside you does die. There's no life. But when you say, it's not about me, it's about him. And when you remember, even though it's tough, Jesus said it would be tough. Do you remember when Stephen, the first martyr, did die and they were stoning him to death? Acts chapter 7. And the Bible says his face shone like the face of an angel. Can you imagine being killed, mocked, murdered, but you look like an angel? It's crazy. Because Jesus had told him, hey, don't worry about it. When it goes bad for you, hang on tight. You look at me. Remember some of the last words that Jesus spoke to Peter when Peter was kind of spazzing out on John 21? You know, and Jesus said, look at me. Look at me. Don't. Anyways, let's keep going. You guys are freaking me out. He's telling him this. And then he says in verse 5, but now I go away to him who sent me. 
And none of you asks me where you are going. Now, let's just Bible students tune in. There were three other previous conversations where they did ask him, where are you going? Where are you going? Where are you going? And now he says, you, no one's asking me where I'm going. And I believe it's because of the context. You see, they were concerned with themselves when they said, where are you going? Where are you going? Where are you going? But it's different when you ask somebody where you're going because you want to know where are you, where are you going? Jesus is now leaving. He's going to be arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's going to be tried in Caiaphas' house. He's going to be crucified on Golgotha, Skull Hill. And he's going to be buried in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. He's going away. And Jesus kind of nonchalantly, subtly says, nobody's even asking me what's really going on. What if we're so, we're so into ourselves? How many of you guys took a selfie today? I've taken 15 since I've been here. Let's take one right now, dude. This is it, dude. You guys ready, dude? Selfie up. Here we go. We're so, here it is, dude. Get ready. One, two, three. Ah! Okay, stop. Selfie nation. We're into ourselves. iPods, iTunes, iPads. And Jesus nonchalantly says, this will change your life, by the way. This will freak you out for the rest of your life. Jesus like, nobody's really asking me where I'm going for, for, for that insight. What if you woke up every single day? What if you did this? And I, and I believe this happened yesterday at Starbucks when I saw Lily, my new friend. I was busy. I was going places. I usually don't, I just, I honestly just don't have the time to engage with everyone. Yesterday, the Lord was doing something in Lily's life. God was doing something. And he allowed me to be a part of it. Every single day, you know your schedule, you know your agenda, you know your wants and your wishes. What if every single day we woke up and said, Lord, what are you doing today? Oh, Lord, can I be a part of it? I want to be a witness, a martyr. Lord, I want to do this. Lord, are you doing something in Corvallis right now? Are you doing something at real life? Lord, are you doing something at the pancake feed? Are you doing something at church? You can continue to be selfish the rest of your days. It's your free will choice. And when you serve me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity, you will get the same dividends that you get when you just serve yourself in a lesser God. Rival thrones. Jesus nonchalantly puts this out there, and I would challenge you and myself in that same way. I'm going away. Nobody's asking me where I'm going. He's not having a pity party. He's wanting them to have an insight. But because I said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Now imagine Jesus walking. He looks at his boys. What are they crying about at this time? That he's going away? Or that they're going to be put out of the synagogues? Or that they're going to be killed? Or that they're going to be martyred? What are they crying about? It could be that they're crying about the synagogue thing or the murder thing. Not a big deal. It could be that the sorrow is filling their heart that Jesus is going away. It could be a menagerie of those things, a mix. I would say this. Here's Jesus, their friend. He could change everything. They're outside of the gates of Jerusalem. They could actually escape. That's Spanish for escape. They could get away. They could get away. The escape door, the exit door, they could get over and go back to the Judean mountains and over to Jordan. And Jesus is like, no, let's go to Gethsemane and pray where Judas is going to come arrest him, and it's donezo. Peter had been actually trying to talk to him, let's bounce, dog man, let's get out of here, let's roll. And Jesus is holding the reins, and he says, this is how it's going to go. I notice you're all bummed out. Sorrow has filled your heart. Don't raise your hands. But how many of you guys are, are often filled with sorrow of heart? Let's just own it, like we are every single day. Some of it has circumstantial reasons. There's sad things we go through. Some of it you can't even explain. Some of it's because you did something to yourself. Some of it's because of our culture. We love to be critics of everything. We love to be complainers. We love to be sad. The number one drug prescribed in America is anti-sad drugs. The number antidepressants. The number one drug. It's not for some other thing, some other illness. Our whole country is like, yeah, we're pretty sad. We're sad. Now, I'm not going to minimize your sadness or the reasons why you're sad or the fact that you're sad. But I would just say this. In my life, I have come to realize that God knows best. He knows what he's doing, no matter what, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I like to call it TTP, trust the process. No matter where you're at, God has a purpose for that process that you're involved in right now. He has a purpose for the pain that you're going through, a purpose for the problem that you're enduring. We want to blame the person in front of us or behind us or the parents that raised us or the government above us. We want to blame somebody else. And God says, what are you talking about? Why would you think it's strange to quote Peter of the various trials that are trying you? Or James who would say, rejoice in glory in the trials that are in your life right now. Or Jude who says, fight the fight 
It's going to be difficult. Let me just say it differently so you understand what I just tried to say. Next time you feel like it's hard and you do feel sad, what if you just said, I'm glad God knows what he's doing. I'm sure glad God knows what he's doing. You're going to have a life change moment. And God's going to use you powerfully in the lives of other people. I'm a leader of leaders. I've got people leading right behind me and besides me. And God has asked me, Luke Frechette, don't ever drop the baton. Keep leading. Keep your eyes on me. Stay positive. Stay motivated. Stay in the word. I know what I'm, have I ever failed you, Luke Frechette? No, you haven't. Have I gotten you through every single thing that you've been through in your life, Luke Frechette? <laughs> yes, you have. Even the things you did to yourself or that other people did to you sinfully? Absolutely. And Jesus points out, sorrow has filled your heart at this point. Wouldn't it be better, in your opinion, if sorrow is filling my heart that Jesus now gives me an antidepressant or something or change the tune? Let's go somewhere else. Give me something. Give me some Aleve, some Advil, some stuff, something to numb the pain. Listen to what Jesus says. Look at verse 7. I want you to see, but because of, I said these things, verse six, sorrows filled your heart. Nevertheless, such a fun word. Look at it in your Bibles. Nevertheless, it's three words in one, nevertheless. It's the weirdest word. It literally means I've been talk, 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 talking, talking, talk, talk, talking, nevertheless. And now you're gonna talk out of the other side of your mouth and have some sort of antithesis of the things that you're trying to present previously. Nevertheless, nevertheless what? Nevertheless, they're going to kill you. Nevertheless, you're full of sorrow. Nevertheless, I'm leaving you. Nevertheless, it's going to go bad. Look what he says next. This is Jesus Christ talking to his boys. He says, nevertheless, verse 7, I tell you the truth. Jesus always told the truth. But I'll bet you his disciples at that point said, mm, I don't know if I believe him. I don't know if I believe him. And Jesus said, hey, hey, I'm telling you the truth. Because he saw them wrestling with it. They were wanting to swim away. It's too hard. It's too weird. Too silly. It's too difficult. Nevertheless, he says to them, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I do depart, I will send him to you. Stop right there. Eyes up here. Here's Andrew in the back. He's like, I it sounded like he said, he's going away. <laughs> Did he say he's going away? He's going away? He's not dead yet. He's not arrested yet. They could completely avoid this. And Jesus says, I want you guys to understand something. I'm leaving, and it's actually the best plan moving forward. <laughs> hey, Jesus, I think you're wrong. You're pretty good at what you do, but now we got you. You're wrong. It's way better that you're here. How many guys want Jesus to be right here with you? Raise your hands. Okay, you're wrong. That's what he said. He said, you're wrong. Nevertheless, it's better. It's interesting. This is three English words. Nevertheless, it's actually a three-letter Greek word that summarizes this kind of contrast word. Like, hey, even though I said all that, you're going to die. It's going to be tough. You're sad now. It's, but I just want you to know something. It's actually better. What? Because Jesus knows best. Why does he say this? This is where we get practical. You guys want to get practical real quick? Let's get practical before the night is over. Jesus says, I'm bouncing out, and it's the best plan that you could ever have for your life. And at that point, I'm like, objection, that's a horrible plan. You know, I don't want you to go anywhere. And Jesus says, if I don't go, the helper, the Holy Spirit, my counterpart, the second part of the Trinity of God will not come. But if I do go, the Holy Spirit, God in spirit, God everywhere will come. You see, Jesus was limited in bodily form. That is, he could only be one place at all times. He could be with the woman at the well in John 4. He could be with Nicodemus there in John 3 at night. That's where we get the first, ser uh, first series of Nicodemus at night, Nick at night, Nickelodeon, all that stuff happened right there. That's where we get the first episode. Jesus was only in one spot at a time until he died, rose again, went to heaven, and the Holy Spirit came. Guess where the Holy Spirit's at now? He's also at the concert next door, enjoying it with the people over there. He's at the baseball game. Did the Beavers come back and win? I was at the game earlier today. Nobody knows. You guys are so cool. Anyways, <laughs> Holy Spirit comfort the losing team, you know. He's back in Newport with my friends and family watching online right now. He's, the Holy Spirit is everywhere. He's in Canada, I think. I'm not positive, actually. But, he, you know. <laughs> I don't know. Have you been there? Uh, he's I'm kidding. He's everywhere. Tune in. Jesus in his bodily form. Dude, too legit to quit. He's too legit to quit. And the guy's raising the dead, healing the lame, 
casting out devils. When his body was around, things shook. The Bible says that you who are believers, listen, you who are believers and spirit-filled are the body of Christ. His physical body was going away. And he says, oh, it's going to be nuts. You're going to freak out. My physical body's going away in order that my spiritual body can go beyond these borders into the highways and the byways. And there will be no limit to where I go because of the sons and the daughters, the men and the women that I will inhabit and the things that I want to do. You will be witnesses, martyrs, servants, image bearers, light givers, message preachers. That is what Jesus is doing in your life, right? It's not going to be easy. It's what the world needs right now. It's what Aya and Lilies and everyone around us need. It's what you need. It's what I need. And Jesus said, this is the best way. It's going to happen. And Jesus has been prolific and profound and powerful, and he's been teaching, 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 and teaching. Wouldn't it have been so fun to be with Jesus for three years of teaching? All the scriptures, all the things that he wrote down, all the things that he's preached, and we have the scriptures. And yet, let's just get real practical here. Jesus is leaving. Would you be kind of scared? Maybe you're scared right now. Maybe you were Matthew or John or James. You're like, dude, this is going to be whack. How many of you guys have watched The Chosen? You guys seen The Chosen before? It's a great series. Ch- check it out. And, and you see the guys walking with Jesus, and he sends them out. And I remember there's this one scene. They're getting sent out to preach in his name. And one of them, I can't remember, is like, what do we tell people? And Jesus so nonchalantly says, tell them anything you've ever heard me say. Isn't that just so simple? How are you going to save your, your coworkers and your friends and, and your family and your people on your sports team? You just tell them what Jesus said. In authority. Like I told Aya yesterday, hey, God loves you. It doesn't really matter what you actually believe. It matters what the truth is. God loves you. You have the authority, the power, and the commission to do so. But let's talk about that power real quick. Because this idea of the Holy Spirit, the Greek word is parakletos. And I didn't, re- didn't pronounce that properly. It's got some more you know, fancy stuff to it. And it. Para means alongside of, and kletos means helper. And the Holy Spirit is going to come alongside of you and help you to accomplish the mission of Jesus Christ. You can't do it by yourself. I can't do it by myself. I've tried before. I'm unable to. But through the Holy Spirit, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And when God calls you to preach, when God calls you to share, when God calls you to serve, you can't do it. But you can trust the Lord that he'll do it through you. He'll do it for you for his glory. Interesting, Domingo, my friend up there, he asked me just a few hours ago, he said, have you always been a good talker and sociable with people? And I said, absolutely not. Man, I was a scared little kid, homeschool kid, weird little kid, frightened little kid, and then the Holy Spirit said, I want to use you. And I said, are you talking to me? Who are you talking to? I can't do any of this. And the Lord said, I didn't ask, I'm telling you. Just like the Lord was telling these guys there. How are we going to do this? It's going to require power. It's going to require, let's read this because he keeps going. I want you guys to see this. It says, and when he has come, verse 8, who's he? It's the Holy Spirit. He, it's a person. It's not a force or a power like Luke Skywalker and the good side and the bad side. It's an actual person, the Godhead in spirit form. He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Just in case you're a note taker, there's three things that the Holy Spirit will convict the world of. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. Sin, the thing that separates us from God. What sin separates us from God? All sins. What's the main sin that separates us from God? It's the sin of unbelief. The Holy Spirit will convict you, especially if you're a Christian, of all the sins that you're committing right now, all the sins you're struggling with. He'll tell you, hey, that's going to harm you. That's going to hurt you. That's not going to help you. And you should get that conviction. And you should listen to it. Amen? Sound like your dad right now. Listen to it, you know. But the main conviction of the Holy Spirit is sin, singular. That is the separation that you have between you and your heavenly father. As a matter of fact, Jesus said there's only one unforgivable sin, only one, only one, and it's the blasphemy, listen, of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes in and convicts you of sin, you say, no, it's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, as a non-believer, as a secular thinker, as a worldly person, no, to the work of the Holy Spirit, you are essentially unforgiven. The only unforgivable sin is not being forgiven of your sin. The only sin that God can't forgive is not being forgiven of all of your sin. But if you believe, I am a sinner. I am a sinner. You see, the world doesn't call it sin. They call it whatever they want. They redefine it. They find a group, a small group, a large group, and they say, let's create little pockets of, you know, culture, and let's just call what God calls sin something else. And yet God says, no, no, it's sin. 
And when you, your knower is softened and you say, there is a God, I'm not him. That's theology 101, by the way. There is a God and I'm not him. Okay, you got all theologians now. And yet our world loves to pre- produce themselves as gods. I'm my own God. I'm the boss. I get to choose what's right and wrong. Don't bother me. I'm creating my own little solar system around myself. And God says, no. The Holy Spirit will convict you of sin. And of righteousness. What kind of righteousness? Of Jesus. See, the Holy Spirit is going to reveal to you and reveal to me the truth about man. I'm a sinner. And listen, the truth about Jesus, that he's righteous. I hope you know this. He's righteous. This is what I told Aya when I left. I said, hey, just, the last thing. I said, Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and God loves you. That's all that matters. That's, that's the truth. And there were eyewitnesses. He is righteous. And the Holy Spirit's going to take that truth and do whatever he wants with it. Sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. There is a hereafter. We all know this in our knower. We know that there's scales. There's balances. There's going to be a judgment day. We like to suppress that truth. I don't want to care about that. But the reality is the Holy Spirit says, no, no. This is not how any other civilization works. There will be a day. And if you're a believer, you've been forgiven of your sins. Did you know that? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, he bore the sins of humanity. Your sins, my sins, our sins. You have been forgiven of every single sin. And you can try, amen. And you can trust him. And you have the freedom and authority to tell other people you can be forgiven of your sins as well. You can be cleansed, spirit-filled. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Guys, a few more verses, and I want to just do one illustration. We're going to pray and sing a couple songs. He says, of judgment to come, verse 12, I still have many things to say to you. I wonder if their eyes were going in the back of their head like, oh, my goodness. But you can't bear them now. Almost like if we were going to go till 1030, we're not going to do it. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. And he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you the things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine, and I will, de- and will declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Stop right there. Eyes up here. The Holy Spirit is here right now. This is what Jesus promised. I'm going to, this has been 2,000 years ago. Can you, can you trip out with me? 2,000 years now. The Holy Spirit has been powerfully building the church of God, saving lives, convicting of sin. Oh, my gosh, I'm the one. Convicting of righteousness. Oh, my gosh, he's the one. And, oh, my gosh, judgment is coming. Be ready for judgment. It's the simple gospel. Yeah, let's make it real practical. How many of you guys saw Top Gun 2? How many of you guys didn't see it? Moment of silence. Saw it three times in the theater at Level Up. Okay, it was sick. There's this one scene, though. Spoiler alert for those of you who didn't see it. You don't deserve to have it not be spoiled for you. Here we go. (laughs) In Top Gun 2, they're trying to achieve the course that they've set in order to bomb the target. Remember, they're practicing, and for three minutes at low altitudes, they've got to do it, and they're practicing, and they're not trying to kill their wingman, and all the time, they keep going, and they keep blowing it. They can't do it. And finally, the commander of the whole project comes over and says, he's shutting it down. It's impossible. We're going to do it some other way. In Maverick, who doesn't love some Tom Cruise, man? Do I look like Tom Cruise a little bit? No. Anyways, if he had a legit beard, maybe. So Tom Cruise, you guys know the story. They can't do it. They can't accomplish it. Everyone's dying in the simulated thing that they're doing. And all of a sudden, Tom Cruise steals an airplane. And they ask, what's going on? And he does it Maverick style. And he gets on the course. And he's flying. I don't want to spoil it for you guys, but that's what it looks like. And he's flying. He goes up the mountainside and down the mountainside. You know, bombs the target. You guys remember? This is a sick scene. And all of the flight students are like, whoa. He just did it. How did he do it? Now it's Tom Cruise. So the illustration kind of breaks down here, you know, a little bit. Jesus has been educating his disciples the whole time. Tell them what to do, what to do, what to do, what to do, what to do. And they've been taking notes like, that sounds crazy. That's, that's, wow, that's, we're going to do what now? What's that? What's that? We're going to raise the people from the dead? Okay, raise people from the dead. <laughs> you know, what's that? We're going to heal the, heal the blood. <laughs> you know, we're going to do these things. Like, Jesus has been doing it. Now it's our turn. You're like, <laughs> it's scary. And he says, oh, no, no. The Holy Spirit's going to come. There's going to be power. You guys got to figure this out. If you don't want to stumble, you don't want to be taken out. How many of you guys believe in electricity? Actually, yeah, how many of you guys believe in electricity? Raise your hand if you believe in electricity. Okay? 80, 80% of you. Weird. The rest of you are Amish. Welcome to, welcome to here, you know? <laughs> this is electricity. 
Come on. Anyways. Okay, next question. We all believe electricity. How many of you guys understand how electricity works? Okay, where's my science students? Where's the nerds at? Where's the nerds at? Put your hands up. If, you're, if, you, know how, if you know how it works, dude, you're a weirdo. You, like, how does it work? Listen, stop. I, I believe in it, and so do you. I don't know how it works. There's electricity right here. It's in this cord. It's all over this thing. It's here. Let me just tell you what's going on. The Holy Spirit's here right now. I believe it. Okay? He's with us all, just like this electricity is with us. It's everywhere. There's electricity everywhere. I don't know how it works. There is also, though, listen, electricity in this line. This wire is electrified right now, man. It's charged right now. It's huge. And if you're a spirit-filled believer, you're full of electricity as well. You're filled of the spirit-filled life. Listen, there are three relationships with the spirit. He's with us, and he's in us if you're a believer. But there's something you need the Holy Spirit to do to you time and time again, day after day, year after year for the rest of your life. You need the spirit to go from with you to in you, that's being born again, to coming upon you. <laughs> that was pretty cool. I almost didn't know it would work. I didn't, I didn't set this up. I just saw the electricity here. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you for acts of service, for miracles, for abstination of the things of the world, to do the things that God's called you to do. Oh, I can't do this. It's so hard. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I'm, I feel like I'm going to stumble. Flip the switch. I'm going to say it so simple. You who want to be profound, prolific, and powerful for the rest of your lives, you need to ask the Holy Spirit daily. Hey, flip the switch, bro. Let's get fired up. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I need to have hands laid on me again. I'm going to have the worship team come up right now, actually. They're going to sing us a song. We're going to turn the lights down. Here's what we're going to do for the next 10 minutes, because we've got to be out of here in nine minutes. <laughs> and some guy said, don't eat the snacks. You do you. You do you. <laughs> I'm just playing. Flip the switch. Can you just wrap your mind around this for a minute? Jesus Christ has called me to preach the gospel in everywhere I go. I know who I am. I can't do it. I don't have the power within myself. And so when he calls me to come here to the LaSalle building or whatever this place is called, or wherever else I go, I say, Holy Spirit, are you gonna, you're going to be there, right? So yeah, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm going to be there for everything you need, big or small. And maybe tonight is your night to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. I've got a little bit of oil in my pocket. It's just a little bit. And the Bible says that you can anoint people with oil. You can lay hands on them and pray for them. And they'll receive the power of the Holy Spirit. I anoint myself with oil all the time. I say, Lord, I need you. I need you to flip the switch. Lord, I got something going on. I'm in a battle right now. Lord, I don't want to be scandalized. I don't want to fall away. You said some are going to fall away. They're going to quit. Arrgh. Let's not quit. Let's go closer to the Lord. Let's get more. But I, I want to say this last thing. Would you guys all just stand with me? This night's almost over. You're going to go your way. You need to walk with the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you and with the Holy Spirit alongside of you. He's your best friend. He's your advocate. Jesus said, nevertheless, guys, it's better I go away because he's going to be with you. He'll never leave you. He'll always be with you. Oh, you feel like you're full of sorrow right now. I see it, guys. I see it. Yeah, there's going to be a battle. It's not going to be easy. All of these guys Jesus told this dude died horrific, tragic deaths with a smile on their face. <laughs> Smiling like angels. What in the world? Do you want to suffer well? I want to suffer well. This campus needs to see not just some people that profess Jesus is real, but some people that are on fire, lit, bright, that people would see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven, that you would have a boldness and a confidence and a freedom. So what I'm going to do right now, you can receive the gift of the power of the Holy Spirit right now. You don't have to come down. I don't know if we have time for it. If you need prayer, I will pray for you down here. But right now, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to fill us right now with the power of God, with the presence of God, with the bodily empowerment of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name right now, Lord, that you would descend upon us. And if you want that, if you need that, if you hunger for that, if you thirst for that, if you already have that, but you need a refill and you want it, would you just right now begin to nod your head and just in agreement with the Lord say, yes, Lord, I want it in my life. I want to be changed. Just like Pastor Luke was in 1998 on New Year's Eve at 3 a.m. He said, I want that. 
Matter of fact, I want to go just one step further. If that's you and you do want to be filled with the Holy Spirit right now, you believe that what Jesus said was true, would you just right now raise up both of your hands? You can do one if that's all you can afford to do, but put both of your hands up like surrender, like the cops would say, hey, raise your hand, surrender. And you're surrendering to Jesus right now. Lord, would you anoint the men and women who have their hands up right now? Fill them with your Holy Spirit again. Just like that light was turned off and then it came right back on. Lord, fill us up again. Would you do a work in us? Lord, we're going to sing songs to you now. You can put your hands down or you can keep them up. Lord, would you just fill this place and do with us, Lord, what you see fit. As we sing these songs, I'm going to be down here on my left, your right. Come on down here and come pray. There's other prayer people. We have some prayer teams, prayer people. Come on down right now. And if you just want to come to the altar and kneel, you don't need me to pray for you. You can come down and say, Lord, fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome sin, to overcome the issues in my life, to be the man or the woman of God you want me to be. Come down right now and let's sing these songs to Jesus as we close the night out in faith. Come get prayer if you need it right now.